I'd like you to take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you may read on. And today we're gonna be in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Acts is located, what I would encourage you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, open up to the table of contents in the very beginning and go to the New Testament section. There are two main sections, the Old Testament and New Testament. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. So go to the New Testament, find the book of Acts, and then scroll through until you get to chapter 13. Now, if you're in an app, what I would encourage you to do is open up the list of the books of the Bible, and there you're gonna find that Acts is about two-thirds of the way down that list. So find Acts and go to chapter 13. Now, I don't know if you know this about me, but I actually grew up in a very rural part of the Texas Panhandle. You know, that part of Texas that's around Amarillo. Uh, my family, my dad's side of the family, were all farmers and ranchers. So I was familiar with working with cattle and uh, harvesting and planting wheat um, and, and that kind of lifestyle. Um, and one of the things that I have always found intriguing about some of the teachings that we find in the Bible is that Jesus actually uses the illustration of farming many, many times throughout the Bible. It's interesting, he actually in Matthew 13, he tells a parable about a farmer who went out and planted seed. Now, as he took these seeds and he sprinkled them along the ground, the seeds would fall on different types of soil and depending on what soil it landed on would determine whether or not it would grow well and produce more seed. Now, it's interesting because that passage and the many other passages that use this type of illustration of farming, one of the common themes is that we're responsible for spreading the seed, but we're not necessarily responsible for whether or not the seed grows. There are things that we can do to help the seed grow, you know, like making sure that it's planted in good soil and watering it and caring for it. But ultimately, it's God that's responsible for whether or not the seed that we plant actually grows into something. You know, if I was to plant all the seeds that are in this jar, there is a percentage of the seeds that no matter what happens, they simply won't grow. They're duds. But that's not my responsibility. It's not my responsibility to pick out every seed that's not a good seed. My responsibility is to simply go out and plant and care for the seeds that I have planted. You know, the, the illustration obviously is that our responsibility as followers of Jesus is to go and tell others about Jesus, the good news, the gospel of Jesus. But we're not responsible for how people respond to that good news. But let's be honest for a minute. That's easier said than done. It's easy to hear that and maybe even, you know, teach it or receive it but to go and practice that out in the world today is pretty difficult because we all fear being rejected. We all fear maybe telling the gospel in a way that doesn't do it justice maybe. 
But the fact of the matter is, is that's not what the Bible tells us we should be concerned with. And in today's account, we see an account of Paul's early ministry where he is actually encountered uh, with the hard decision, the hard uh, reality that some people are going to accept the message and some people are not going to accept that message. And so let's take our Bibles or apps, whatever you're reading on. And today I want us to read Acts 13, beginning in verse four. Acts 13, beginning in verse four. So as you're looking for verse four, let me give you just a really quick recap. The church has been growing. It's spreading all over Israel and now all over the world, the known world at that time. And Paul and Barnabas at the beginning of chapter 13 have been commissioned. In other words, they've been intentionally sent out to tell others the, the, the good news of Jesus. And this is their first journey, their first action in following that call to go out and spread the good news to all people. So Acts 13, verse four, it says this. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed on to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews and they had John assist them. When they had gone through the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Verse eight, but Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him. And he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Verse 12, and when the proconsul believed, when he saw what had occurred, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Wow, what an amazing account of the early ministry of Paul. This leads me to today's big idea. I wanna give you the big idea at the very beginning of today's message. Uh, and let me explain. Uh, if you've ever watched one of my messages, you know that I usually give one simple statement that kind of sums up the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this, spread the gospel and leave the rest to Jesus. Let me say that again. Spread the gospel and leave the rest to Jesus. You see, there will be a variety of responses from people when we tell them the good news of Jesus, the gospel. The fact of the matter is, is when we spread the gospel, that's our responsibility to do that work, to tell others about Jesus. But we're not responsible for how they respond. We're simply responsible of, to go and tell others about Jesus. 
And and let me give you three possible responses. I think if you look at life, if you look at the way people respond to Jesus when we tell them about him, I, I think that most people can fall into three types of responses when they hear the gospel. The first response is there are those who will be curious about Jesus. If you, if you read verses four through seven of the account that I just read you, it tells us about this proconsul, Sergius Paulus, who is curious about what he's hearing about Jesus. He was genuinely curious to hear about who Jesus was, what he did, why people were following him. And so he actually sought Paul and Barnabas out. He had heard that Paul and Barnabas were in the area and they were telling people about Jesus. And so he asked Paul and Barnabas out of his curiosity to come and tell him more about Jesus. So there are people who are genuinely curious and there are stages of life that may create curiosity. Someone who wasn't curious before because of something that's happened may suddenly become curious. And there are various moments in life that can create that curiosity in our lives. Um, So that's the first type of response is curiosity. I think the second way that people respond to the gospel is with resistance. Sometimes people are gonna simply resist the work of Jesus. Uh, Let's pick up again in today's passage. Read with me verses eight through 11. Verses eight through 11. So listen to what it says. But Elymas, the magician, for that's the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist and darkness fell upon him and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. You see, there are people who will resist. They will fight against the gospel message of Jesus. They are not interested. And honestly, there are some that will fight against you about the gospel. That's what we see here with this magician, uh, Bar Jesus. Uh, he fought against the, the gospel message that Paul and Barnabas were telling this proconsul. Honestly, by learning the gospel, this proconsul that uh, Bar Jesus was with, um, if the proconsul turned to Jesus, Bar Jesus would have lost business basically. He would have lost his livelihood because he was a false prophet, because he he was not a follower of Jesus and actually fought against Jesus. If the proconsul became a believer in Jesus, this man would have been dropped and his way of life would have changed. But Paul pushes back against him. And there are times when we are called, when people fight against the gospel, there are times when we're called to stand strong against that. And honestly, there are times when we're called to walk away. We find both of those in the Bible. Now, on a side note, I do want to point out that this is the first time that Saul is called Paul. Now, Saul and Paul in the book of Acts are the same person. Now, 
Saul's name is not changed to Paul because of some transition in his ministry. It's simply that Saul was his Jewish name and Paul was his Greek or Gentile name. You see, Saul was a very Jewish name. You see it throughout the Old Testament, but Saul was not a name that Greeks used. And so Saul uh, went by the name Paul when he was working and ministering with those outside of Israel, when he was working with Gentiles non-Jews. And and so we're not talking about a change of his name because something happened. We're simply seeing uh, what he's called differently based on who he's ministering to. Now, and back to this, look at what Paul says to Bar-Jesus, this false prophet in verse 10. He says, you son of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? You see, I want to point something out here. Sometimes the resistance that we see to the gospel, those that push back, sometimes those people are actually acting through the spiritual powers that are opposed to Jesus. But let me be clear. We as Southern Baptists especially tend to dismiss the spiritual world that's around us. But the Bible is very, very clear that there are spiritual forces around us that we don't understand. We can't see them. We usually can't feel them or or know that they're there, but they are. Let me give you an example of this from the Bible. If you go to Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12, The Bible talks about this. So Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 12 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Listen to this part. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Please do not be ignorant on this fact. There are spiritual forces that are going on that are acting in this world that we cannot see. And sometimes those spiritual forces are either influencing or working through people in the world around us. As an example, this man that we're talking about here, Bar-Jesus, this magician, this sorcerer, this false prophet, he was acting through the spiritual evil forces of the world around him. That's where he gained his power. We fight spiritual forces. Not necessarily physical forces, because again, think about it this way. The physical forces that are opposing Jesus are actually being influenced and empowered by spiritual forces. And so the fact of the matter is, is there is a spiritual fight going on around us. And our role is to spread the good news, to know God's word, and to pray against those spiritual forces. The fact of the matter is, is we don't have to fear those spiritual forces. You know, if you continued reading to the next verse, verse 11, Paul condemns uh, Bar-Jesus to the point that he condemns him and who is acting through him and casts blindness on him. You see, 
Paul, through the power of Jesus, had authority over those evil forces. You see, Jesus has already gained us the victory. Jesus has already won the victory in the, against the spiritual forces of evil in the world around us. And Jesus is on our side because we're on Jesus's side. We are his servants. He is our master. He is our brother, our superior brother because he is the son of God, but he is with us. And he, if he is for us, then who can be against us? Uh, listen to what James chapter four, verse seven says. James 4, 7, it says this, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The fact of the matter is, is yes, we need to be aware of the, the, the forces of darkness around us. We need to be aware that the devil is at work in this world. But we also need to recognize that we do not have to fear him because he has already been beaten by the savior of the world, Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, he conquered sin. The fact of the matter is, is we're all sinners and we are condemned because of our sin. But when Jesus died on that cross, he became the perfect sacrifice that forgives all of our sins. And so because of that, he gained victory over sin. But then it didn't end there. On the third day after he died on that cross, he rose again. And when he rose from the grave, he also proclaimed victory over death. And so he is victorious over sin, over death, over all of the spiritual forces in this world, he has already won. And so we don't have to worry about any of these spiritual forces around us. We don't have to worry about the devil. We need to be aware of him and actively resisting him, but we don't have to fear him because he's already been defeated. The fact of the matter is, is when we are believers in Jesus, we don't have to fear the, the world or the darkness or the spiritual forces anymore. And, and let me take a side note for just a moment. Maybe you're watching right now. Maybe you're listening and maybe you don't believe in Jesus. But maybe what I just said sounds good. Maybe you could use some victory in your life. Maybe you could use some hope. Maybe you could use that hope in the fears that you have. And if that's you, please hear me now. Jesus died to save you, to rescue you from your sins. And he wants you to believe in him, to, to give your life to him and to live your life for him, leading other people to Jesus also. And if you've got questions about Jesus, if you, if you wanna know more about Jesus, please go to our website, click on the contact us page, fill out that form and we will reach out to you as soon as possible. Please don't do nothing. Please do something, reach out to us and let us answer those questions that you might have or, or lead you further in your journey with Jesus. But please reach out, don't hesitate to do that today. So I have said today that there are three primary responses to when we tell someone about Jesus. First off, some people are gonna be genuinely curious. Secondly, some people are gonna be resistant. 
And I think the third response is there are those who will believe in Jesus. Look with me at the last verse that we read today, verse 12. So Acts 13, verse 12, listen to what it says here. It says, then the proconsul believed. You see, first, the proconsul earlier in today's passage was curious. And Bar-Jesus comes along and he resists and Paul handles that situation. And through the handling and through the what God does in that situation, the proconsul realizes that Jesus truly is the son of God. And he becomes a believer in Jesus. You see, there are many ways that someone may become a follower, but I guarantee you that almost all of the ways that someone will become a believer involves someone else speaking into their lives. Did you know that according to surveys that have been done, 86% of people who believe in Jesus came to believe in Jesus because someone either spoke about Jesus or invited them to church. Isn't that amazing? 86% of people who truly follow Jesus came to follow him because someone invited them to accept Jesus, to, to know more about Jesus. There is power in a simple invitation. And it's not that difficult. It can be scary. Don't, don't get me wrong. It can be scary, but it's not that difficult. The point is that we are all sent out to tell others about Jesus. Josh, Pastor Josh talked about this last week in his message. The fact is, is that if you believe in Jesus, you're called, you're commanded to go and tell others about Jesus. John Stott, a famous theologian and preacher says this, to evangelize does not mean to win converts, but simply to announce the good news irrespective of the results. The fact of the matter is, is that our responsibility is to go and tell others about Jesus, no matter what the actual results of that telling may be. That's what we're called to do. Sometimes that involves us telling someone about how Jesus has changed our lives. Sometimes that is us sharing the pure gospel, you know, telling them how Jesus died and rose again and who Jesus was and how they can be saved or, or rescued from their sins. And sometimes telling others about Jesus is simply inviting them to experience Jesus through a church. Sometimes it's that simple. But let me just say right now, you will be rejected. There are going to be times when people are resistant to the good news that you're telling them. But think about it this way. Going back to the opening illustration of the seeds, the fact of the matter is, is if a farmer knows that there is a certain percentage of these seeds that will not sprout and produce more seeds, he does know though that it, the more seed he spreads, the more seed will grow. The fact of the matter is, is the more people we tell about Jesus, the more people will come to know Jesus. So we're called to spread this good news and to spread it everywhere we go. 
Listen to this. I want to close with this passage and then a, a question of challenge. Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. Matthew 9, 36 through 38. This is G, an account from Jesus's life. It says this. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and were helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, these seeds are being planted by followers of Jesus all the time. I'm hoping that these seeds of the gospel are being spread by you as a follower of Jesus all the time. And the more seed we spread, the more that seed will grow. The more gospel we spread, the more people we tell about Jesus, the more people who will come to believe in Jesus. Again, our responsibility is to spread the gospel and leave the rest to Jesus. So who needs to hear about Jesus from you? Who needs an invite to experience Jesus from you? Let's go to the Lord today and let's ask him to open our minds and hearts to be sensitive to those interactions that we may have day in and day out where Jesus is calling us to tell someone about Jesus or invite them to church. So join me in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much. And we praise you for the fact that you have given us this good news to go and tell others about Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to recognize the opened opportunities that you've placed in our lives to tell someone about Jesus. Sometimes it may be a relationship, a friendship, a, a coworker, a family member that we have known for a long time and you have suddenly opened the door for us to tell them about Jesus. Maybe it is an interaction where we're simply called to invite someone to church to hear about Jesus and to experience the family of God. But Lord, whatever it is, we pray first off that we would be sensitive so that we would recognize when you're telling us to, to share the gospel with someone. And secondly, that you would give us the courage to do that. So Lord, help us to tell the gospel, to spread the gospel to everyone that you're calling us to, to spread that seed and then leave the rest to you. Help us to do that today tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, and for the rest of our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.